Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. From the thrilling pages of life rides a man you must fear and respect. A man whose unconquerable will and boundless determination carved a lusty, rough, and boisterous slice of history called The Searchers. It's John Wayne as Ethan Edwards who had a rare kind of courage. The courage that simply keeps on and on, far beyond all reasonable endurance, never thinking of himself as martyred, never thinking of himself as brave. So we'll find him in the end, I promise you. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 19. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1956 movie, The Searchers. So, Charles, what was this movie about? Well, Searchers is about a former Confederate soldier uh, named Ethan who is, like, very rugged and, like, individualistic and all that. His family gets attacked by Native Americans. Their daughter gets kidnapped. And so... They spend many years trying to find her and get her back and probably try to exact revenge for the attack. Uh, and eventually they do find her, but he decides that she has become one of them now and is not worth saving anymore or something. Um, so they kind of give up on that. And then the natives catch up to them, and I guess he changes his mind and decides he does want to save her, and they get revenge on the natives, presumably live happily ever after. That's an interesting reading of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wilson, you chose this movie. Why, why was that an interesting reading? <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll explain that and why I, I landed on this one. Um, really, I landed on it because Metrograph was playing it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it in a theater before. They were using 35-millimeter yeah. film stock. Um, so I hesitated to do it so soon after we watched Tombstone to do two westerns like that, but I just couldn't pass up that opportunity. You've mentioned it so much, too, that it seemed inevitable that we were going to do it eventually. Oh, I, yeah, we were going to do it eventually, but um, yeah, because it's a great movie that I like a lot, and it's an important movie. Um, the other reason is I think that it is when you see the western genre really stri- mature, Right, when it stops being really about these tropes and these hero tropes specifically played straight, when it's not simply about Western expansion, yeah. that it's doing something more with these characters and John Wayne specifically. Um, and I think it's important that it's John Wayne and John Ford that do that. Um, so in that sense, it's an important film. It's also just one of those movies that shows up on Best of Lists. It's one of Scorsese's favorite movies. It's very influential throughout uh, Western cinema as well as just American and international cinema. Jean-Luc Godard quotes it as uh, influential film. Like it's yeah, the all these famous directors. Lawrence of Arabia like yep. watched it or like studied it right to, in like, preparation for that film. Right. And yeah. you can see it like the the yeah. the shot, the, the famous shot from Lawrence of Arabia is straight out of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's quoting the searchers when it does it. So it's it's just one of those important pieces of cinematic knowledge. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous you guys got to see it on the big screen. Was, I, I, I loved it. I watched it on my iMac, which is, you know, a great... <laughs> a great How it's meant to be seen. A, a great screen. <laughs> I mean, it's a really nice screen, but, um, you know, it's not the... It's, it's you know, 12 inches long yeah. or something. 27. Yeah. 27. Oh, okay, yeah. you got a big one. But yeah. No, we saw it, yeah, we saw it. Charles and I saw it together um, at, at Metrograph, uh, free plug for Metrograph, downtown New York. Um, and it was it was great like you could see that it was on film stack you could see the grain on it you know there was a guy up there with a projector like it was it's just something that doesn't happen very often and it was a nice full theater like they they you got to see it with a crowd which is a different experience uh how'd you feel about the film seeing it in a theater um charles well definitely helped with the grandeur of it right i mean yeah i I can certainly appreciate the landscape cinematography yeah Uh, it's just it, it's, a, it's always a better experience, I feel like. I don't think there's a single movie I can think of that would be better not in theaters. That's true. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair <laughs> point. But, I mean, this one, it, these kinds of movies in particular, because it's, it's an epic, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it has sure. a sense of scale to it. Like, those, those big landscape shots in Monument Valley. Like, it it builds it up so much. Yeah. 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 
landscapes are like very notable in oh, this yeah. movie. Where I was like, yeah, wow. they're gorgeous. Like they it's stuff gorgeous. that you've like seen before in like car commercials and <laughs> right. other movies right. and. The National Geographic stuff like that, right? But, but it has the context here in it that just it, it looks it's so different. It's also like it feels like it's at like a you see the landscape from like a human scale, which yep. is like you often see these mm-hmm. the plateaus mm-hmm. from the sky, yeah. And having it at this scale is like wow, that's such like usually really cool right. looking. Well, it, yeah. it gives it an almost mythic feel, right? Yeah. Like when you are made small and the the both the the landscapes and the people yeah. are you know shot up and made large, like it makes it it feel legendary. Like you're you're seeing these living legends walking around on screen. Yeah, um, and it's such like an arid landscape, mm-hmm. and it, it's like the landscape feels like so oppressive. Yeah, in the in the film. Yeah, well, especially but, this one, and, and yeah. I think that's one way in which this movie cuts against the traditional Western tropes with these landscapes, because you you look at prior John Ford movies and that landscape is a thing to be pierced and conquered and you know taken into yourself whereas here it's something that is dominating you something that you're getting lost in yeah um which it reflects the story he's telling with ethan yeah and they do it pretty early too right because the the his nephew kind of runs off and he's like don't don't do that like you know you need to let your horse rest and then you know a couple scenes later they ride right by him and his horse is dead. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's like something that you don't really see in film no. even today. It's just like the acknowledgement that like... Wearing your horse out. Yeah, horses can't run forever. And Yeah. 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 And you have to... And, and it's that the, the environment beating you, right? Like it, Yeah. Because it, the whole project of Western expansion is, you know, the manifest destiny. This is ours. We just need to take it. Yeah. And in this movie, we see the opposite, that the the... Both the native land itself and the native peoples there are actually fighting back and doing something to resist you and being successful. Yeah, uh, and that you just don't see. You didn't see before this movie, in any event. Um, and I think I think it's so important that I think the landscape specifically drive home that point and are important beyond just looking gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. For that reason, um, the other thing I like about the landscape shots in westerns in general is that they're so uniquely American, right? So it's this genre of film that comes uh, I mean it's inspired by the samurai films in Japan but really how it manifests here is an American genre an American style of filmmaking that takes place in this landscape that you can really only find here mm-hmm. you, you can't go to some you can't go to Europe and find those kind of deserts you can't, it's not shot in Italy it's not shot in Italy <laughs> right like yeah, it's, it's, it's it's shot on location in America and you, you couldn't really make this movie anywhere else uh, so I, I like that about it I like that it's something that's very much of us is a critique of us and our history. Uh, and I think that it's important to keep that in mind uh, when we watch these. So when was the last time you saw this, Crossman? Yeah, ages ago. Yeah? I, I remembered very little. Okay. So it was like, it felt like a very fresh watch to me. Okay. And it was yeah, a lot more complicated than I remember it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, say more. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, our main character, we've kind of glazed over this in a lot of the Western episodes, but, like, the main character is, like, a, a Civil War um, veteran. veteran. Yeah. But for the Southern, Confederate Army. For the Confederate Army. Yeah. And this has been glazed <laughs> over in Tombstone, so Doc Halliday mm-hmm. was also uh, Southern mm-hmm. Civil yep. War. And assassination of Jesse James. And assassination, yeah, Jesse James was also Southern. Yeah. And a loyalist. Like, he's so advocated for the Confederacy. Yeah, he fought for the Confederacy after the war was yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and part of the reason that he became, you know, a true outlaw. Right. Was for that he reason. He just, like, then just became, it was like a natural shift from being, like, a guerrilla fighter to a bank robber. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and this movie calls to that, too. Like, when, when Ethan first shows up back at the homestead, yeah. there are many signals that he is a wanted man. Uh, he has the the fresh money. Like looks like nobody spent this before. Yeah, right. um, they have the the line where it, something about how he looks like a lot of men, which is he looks like a lot of wanted men. He looks like he, he shows up on a lot of descriptions. Um, so it, it's that same path from Confederate soldier to outlaw. And they have the kind of like hushed tones when they're talking about his military right exploits. Right. Yeah. Because how much yeah. of those are actually just mercenary criminal exploits? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so part of the reason that. It's often problematic in films because it feels like kind of like a southern apologist thing. Yeah. That, like if we glaze over the fact that they were fighting for the South, we can. They're sort of like reborn as like Western heroes. heroes. Yep. 
and that happens yeah. very much in Tombstone, right? Oh, like yeah. Doc Holliday is the main character, and we're supposed to like side with him. Yep. In real life, he's a scumbag. You <laughs> yeah. know, <laughs> but literally just to keep people enslaved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting in this movie; it doesn't really cut to that, but there, th- there is the moment after the family has been slaughtered, and they they kind of split up and go through the canyons, and mm-hmm. he goes into the canyon with his Civil War jacket on the gray coat yep, on and doesn't. then yeah. walks out of the canyon with the gray coat off yep. and then yeah it happens throughout the movie the clothing changes yeah and he's been like at that moment the the movie c- c- smartly kind of like gives him a new edge where he, he's now yeah. no longer a soldier he's now a vigilante yeah and yeah like, like by taking off that uniform right. and he, and like he, really he loses the accoutrements right from the get-go right because he gives yeah. away the saber he has that medallion. He gives that away. Yeah, it's like the weight the of the things that he's, right. like he's letting go. He's letting all these things go yeah. and just throwing himself entirely into the project of Western Wanderer. Really, just the you know man with the home. Yeah, he's still an awful person. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. really nice. And the movie but, acknowledges that throughout, right? Yeah, like there's, there's no question that he is a problematic character who is really, for much of the movie, on the side of evil. I yeah, I question like. How much like a in the audience like gets that though? Really? Because like he, I thought it was crystal clear. Yeah, but I wonder like how many people like kind of think because he John Wayne is such like a mm-hmm. cherished character mm-hmm. in in Hollywood and just as like a symbol of ma- masculinity, and it's not often brought up that he also like plays these like kind of problematic characters. Starting here, yeah. Well, no, the problematic characters start like from day one, but here yeah. he starts critiquing it. Yeah. yeah. People well, might like forgive him too much just because he's John Wayne yeah, on the screen, right? I hear that. Like yeah. children play like cowboys and Indians because of John Wayne. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like his yeah. depictions of the cowboy. Yeah. Well and it doesn't help it, it doesn't help that John Wayne the man was also kind of a shitbag, like super, <laughs> yeah. super involved <laughs> yeah. with the blacklist and the, the yeah. red scare and yeah. so like yeah. I hadn't actually seen any John Wayne films before this, but I know really? John Wayne's reputation as like that kind of all-American hero yep. sort of guy, or that's the reputation that I or perception I yep. had of him. So he showed up on screen. I'm like, oh man, it's John Wayne. Yeah, cool. And then he they <laughs> talked about how he was in the Confederates, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait a second, yeah, yeah, wait, yeah, what is going on? Maybe here? he's not the best guy. <laughs> is is it like this in every western? <laughs> no, but it should be. Um, so I, I think this movie was very consciously uh, almost. Uh, request for forgiveness for some of John Ford's earlier work and yeah. to an extent John Wayne's because uh, John Wayne loved this movie like he thought it was some of his best work he named his first child Ethan wow after the character in this movie um, so he got it I think he understood that this was an important film and in a nuanced film at, at a time that's like not particularly like progressive, right? right? Fifty six is like Ooh. not a good yeah. time no. for progressivism. <laughs> yeah, and this movie like isn't it's progressive for fifty six certainly, yeah. but even there you can see John Ford struggling with what he done really. Like you can see the guilt in this movie. Yeah, it's yeah, it's still. So yeah, I was, I was reading a bit online, kind of in prep because I wasn't sure like how to handle the like native people versus cowboys and, and one thing i read which I, I didn't really realize until i read it was the sort of like the crimes that are depicted on screen are always are mostly done by white people mm-hmm. and the crimes that are done by the native americans happen like off screen yep. and um yeah, like so it's like and the monstrousness of what we see is mostly done by white people yep. yeah yeah, very interesting. Like yeah, John John Ford is a careful filmmaker, and he knew exactly what he was doing there. Yeah, um, there's and and you see the how the Ethan character and the unfortunately named Scar, um, get, <laughs> the lion Scar the lion. Yes, God. Uh, they become closer and closer, like to one another, um, as the film progresses until they're eventually simply basically the same guy. Yeah, um, and which is which is a fascinating journey. Um, and just a, gr- a great performance from from John Wayne. It's a shame that the guy that played Scar is in fact a German. 
Yeah. It seemed very obvious that he was not. He was not native, but yeah, he was just a German guy. So the whole time I saw him there, I was just like, oh god. Yeah, but it reminds me of uh, I've always I always hear about John Wayne having played Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah. The but the funniest thing about that movie is he doesn't even attempt to change his accent, so he's just like playing I mean, playing like, Genghis Khan and like doing John Wayne voice the it whole It might time. be less insulting that he didn't try to do an accent, so. Well, it's yeah. like uh, Sean Connery doing The Hunt for Red October. The <laughs> yeah. Scottish guy who's oh, in God. the Soviet Union. Yeah. 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 Nice. yeah. Makes no sense. Wait, have you seen The Hunt for Red October? Nope. Oh, that's that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best, like, Clancy movie. Yeah, it's my second favorite submarine movie because Dust Boat. Dust Boat, okay. It's the, the best song. Did you see... Um, Black Sea that came out no. like a year or two ago. No, it was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah. But anyways. Okay. Well, uh, oh yeah, the um, Scar character because they yeah. they have that other shot when they first meet one another, where they're literally staring eye to eye, you know, in profile, and uh, he has the line about how he speaks good Comanche and he says he speaks good American, and like they're just mirroring one That's another. That's a great line. Yeah. 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 Did somebody teach you? Yeah. It's, I, it's I, the kind of humor you still see in action movies to this day. Yeah, but it, it has like this really dark tinge to it because you it, you know how racialized it is. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly woke for again for yeah. like fifty cents. Yeah, it really yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that that relationship that isn't really a relationship between Ethan and Scar is probably the most interesting one in the movie, and really what this this whole thing hinges on, what or what John for for its point hinges on, is that relationship. Um, I would. One of the points you raised in your description, Charles, uh, caught my attention that yeah. you you read the movie as early on John for or, um, John Wayne character deciding that he's going to rescue Debbie, whereas I think the tension is that we actually, or how I read it is that the tension is that we don't know if he's doing that or if he's hunting to kill her. Well, it seemed like he set out to try to find her. Yes. But eventually, like, I didn't cover it because I didn't want to get too in-depth. Okay. But, like, okay. midway through their search, they realized that she's probably she's gone been native. with them for too long and yeah. they would consider her to have gone native, yes. And um, his... I forget the name of the other guy who's always with them uh, keeps saying, oh, he's probably going to kill her as soon as he sees her. Yeah. There's yeah. the, like, pretty problematic scene where they happen upon, like, uh, an army base. And then there's like a hut of women who like yeah. were kidnapped. Yeah. Oh now yeah. Like, they're just like hysterical now. Yeah. Now that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh, like watching <laughs> yeah, that. That's, that was that's the, almost like, like showing the natives crimes, quote unquote, on screen, right? Yeah, but you don't see them actually doing it. Yeah, you don't see You see the result several because you see the result when they burn down the yeah, homestead, yeah. right? Like you see it right but, at the beginning. And it's implied. But it's yeah. particularly problematic though because it's like. The implication is that they've kind of like been raised by animals, so they've like they've like lost yeah. language and like lost humanity, lost yeah. their humanity. And, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. That is the other uh, obviously problematic moment in this movie that I really don't think you can defend is the native wife that he takes for like ten. Yeah, minutes. I was like, <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? When I was that was kind of yeah. Messy. When that happened, I was like, this is not good. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that moment is is like, jarring in a bad way. Um, it's unnecessarily it's played cruel. for laughs. Yeah. And, it's not funny. It's no. like I remember you very reacted, upsetting. You reacted pretty strongly when he kicked her out of the bed. Yeah, it's it's, it's disturbing in a, yeah. and not in a good way. Yeah, so I think that one you they really can't defend that. Uh, they use it over in the plot by killing her too. Yeah, yeah. No, they, like, like the next yeah. scene, she's she's done. So I think that one's even worse than the the with oh, like the yeah. women in the hut or whatever. I mean, all of it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cause, I mean, because so, there you at least have some more development of Ethan as a character, right? Yeah. Like, you learn something about him where he talks about how they're not even white anymore. It's like this really you know, cruelly racist phrase, whereas yeah. the part with the with the native wife is just, could be cut and the movie would be better for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it adds nothing to yeah. the movie. But, yes. Oh, I, yeah. but like okay, like, Native Americans and, and like sex, sex trafficking. Yeah, and, and yeah, all sorts of because they're both just so mean to her for no reason. Yeah, so uh -huh. I, I think that 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 is pretty hard to defend. Uh, but yeah, I think that the the driving tension through much of the film is we don't know if he's hunting down Debbie to rescue her to kill her, right? Because he has yeah. the that clear idea that it's better that she is dead than she live as a as a Native American. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and it, that that's the, the driving tension. So I don't know, did you read it that way, Rosman? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that was interesting. It was also like 
one of the big tensions in the movie is like you don't know if they're ever going to be successful yes at all yes and like they they there's like the tease of like they see her but they might never see her again yeah and, and they they go through like you know they they do a lot of things to show that like a lot of time has passed yes. so they're like oh five five years has gone pretty, by you, like you like, see multiple winters you yeah. Know? yeah and yeah yeah they do, yeah they do a lot and and that kind of like hopelessness is like because the, 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 very you depressing. Like as opposed, you compare yeah. this to stage. Have you seen Stagecoach? No, I haven't. Okay, Stagecoach is the movie that made John Ford famous and like mm-hmm. was John Wayne's introduction to mass, you know, popular culture. And in that movie, they're taking a stagecoach from point A to California, and like there's this band of people in it, and they're constantly moving in one direction and fending off the Indians. It's a very typical Western story constantly making progress, right? Like, that's that's the sense you get out yeah. of that movie. They're moving from this place to this place, and it's a constant move forward. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, you get the sense that they're literally running in circles. Like, they're returning yeah. to the same locations over and over again. It's taking forever, right? Like, it's taking them years to do it. So this, this trope that had been built up and assumed in so many Western films up until this point, that every move is a move towards progress, a move in the right direction, is undercut. In, totally contradicted in this movie because they're not doing that, right? Every move they make feels like they're just guessing. Yeah. They're, they're they're just, like the title of the film, they're searching and not finding. There seems to be a lot of emphasis <clears throat> on the kind of desolate nature of the mm-hmm. landscape and how far apart everything is, how difficult communication is. Yep. Like, when they first get to the other family's house and, and they talk about how, you know, Laurie hadn't seen the guy in like two years or something yeah. like that yeah. because he was out, I don't know, with the other family or yep. for some reason. Because he's so far away. Yeah, yeah, and it's just astonishing to think about in modern society mm-hmm. that you would just be that far away and that disconnected from someone. Yep. You just don't see their face for that many years. And they're talking about how he's probably forgotten her name by then. Or whatever. Right. Right. Uh, and there's that funny scene where they're like, oh, we got two letters this year? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Second letter? The second letter. Two letters in one year. Which is yeah. probably hilarious at the time because yeah. 56, like, getting letters, like, yeah. really common. So, right, yeah. right, right. And when here we get messages of some communication constantly. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I mean, I think that joke still works. Um, so, yeah, that it, it, exactly that kind of thing, that it's not constant Western expansion and progress, that mm-hmm. it was hard and that things were making it more difficult and we weren't just constantly dominating everything that we encountered. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's also probably the country's like still kind of recovering from like pretty fresh wounds too. So no no kidding. And and they kind of speak that like Texas isn't even a state Mm -hmm. yet. They call Mm -hmm. it, they call themselves like Texicans. Texicans. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Throughout. And and there are still like Mexican people in in Texas. What would become Texas, yeah. 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 Exactly. So, uh, so, yeah, I think that that, it, and I think really all Westerns are about the Civil War, right? Like, they're all, I, I think I've mentioned this much, on, yeah. on other episodes, yeah. that you, the Western myth is really about healing North and West wounds, mm-hmm. and they do that by finding another race to oppress, which is Native Americans. Like that is, again. Yes, again. Yeah. They continue to oppress Native <laughs> Americans now, much more overtly, yeah. uh, now that, the, that slavery is over. So, yeah. that is really the... What I, yeah. Under, underlying idea in all westerns. Well, I was thinking, I obviously think of Deadwood when yeah. watching this, and it's yeah. like, oh, what they did with Deadwood was they took John Wayne's character and they just made every character in the show <laughs> John Wayne's character. <laughs> and, you know, TV is much better because of that, right? Because yeah. it's like, you have this person of, like, uncertain moral, mm-hmm. uncertain moral, like, standing. And then if every character is like that, that's a lot more interesting because he's like definitely the most interesting character in the movie. Yes. His yes. nephew is just like a whatever kind of like pretty boy who like chases <laughs> after him. Yeah. Well, I think that their their relationship is interesting too. Like yeah. the, the relationship between Marty and, and Ethan. Because yeah. uh, you see Ethan as this, I mean, it, it, while he does cut against Western tropes in some ways in terms of performing his masculinity, mm-hmm. he's very much in line with the John Wayne that we know, right? Yeah. Like he... he He's very cool in this movie. He he's, is, yeah, he's, he's doing he's, his fucking gun spin every time he takes his gun out. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it yeah. got almost annoying to the point where you're like, okay, John Wayne, you I, can get do it. It. <laughs> I get it. I get it. He did you're that cool. stunt himself. <laughs> but, but still, like, he's, he's the smartest one. He's playing it cool the whole time. Like yeah. The only emotion he displays overtly and intentionally is anger. Yeah. Uh, whereas we have the yeah. comparatively effeminate Marty... Yeah. Um, who we end up rooting for at the end, right? Like, he's the guy that we want to win because we think that John Wayne might kill this girl. And really? I was 
I could have let Marty go. I would I would have yeah, been okay with Marty dying. Right, but he's the good guy, right? <laughs> yeah, he is in that ostensibly sense. the moral compass of the movie. Right, yeah, yeah. In that sense, we're rooting for him. Like cuz he has like a just mission. Right. And John John Wayne is he's Ahab, right? Yeah. He's yeah. he's obsessed. He's Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I mean and, yeah, I mean I don't want to see more of Marty on screen cuz he is like this annoying little Wilhouse character. Yeah. But he <laughs> he is the good guy. Yeah. Right. And to have us rooting for the o- overly emotional, you know, kind of sibling, angry, childish guy and placing him as, as the moral good mm-hmm. opposite the stip- typical, you know, masculine Western man as the evil. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, He's a surprising still, turn yeah, in, yeah. in Westerns. You're, you're right, though. It's funny because John Wayne like, looks really cool in this movie. I oh, definitely absolutely. had some like denim jealousy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He has some nice denim. You have very good denim. Uh, <laughs> those was, really thick cuffs. I, was, <laughs> I wanted to look yeah. it up, and then I was like, nah, I shouldn't. Because it's one of those things where you're like, you see it on screen, and you're like, yep. that would be so cool. And then you it, get it, and you're just like, this is really lame. Because <laughs> <laughs> you do not live in the Old West. <laughs> no, not yeah, of course not. Yeah. 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 I get boot cut jeans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are my boots? <laughs> the same thing happens with people with cowboy hats and cowboy boots. Yeah. Like, if you have a friend that gets cowboy boots, you should tackle them. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, just like, remove them. Yeah. yeah. You, you're not <laughs> Unless doing... you live in Texas. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It seems to be a thing in Texas. You're yeah. not doing your job as a friend if, <laughs> if you let them get cowboy boots. Like, you're a bad friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, uh, no, I agree. Same with cowboy hats. But, I mean, yeah, he does look cool throughout the movie. You um, have to wonder if he might accidentally promote a bad message too much, kind of like Brad Pitt in Fight Club, right, just by being too cool yeah. at what he does. I, I think that... Really? Happens in this movie. No, I, I yeah. think that that John Ford controls it a lot better than Fincher does. I think that he is much clearer with his message. I think he's a more subtle filmmaker. Um, I think the message is there, but it's still easy to like think back this movie and just be like, "Man, John Wayne's so cool in this movie," and you don't think back and be like, like "Man, the moral message of that movie is really complicated." Yeah, no, <laughs> but, but that's like even I, if you try to broadcast it, like yeah. we seemed pretty clear on Predator being like a parody of hyper masculinity. Right. Right. But then you go to every YouTube video about Predator and the, all the comments are like, oh, wow, these guys were the so manly. Alone. People are so wussies now or whatever. Right. I think the difference, I, I agree, like that does yeah. happen. I think the difference between that and this movie um, compared to Fight Club is yeah. that in Fight Club, when people misunderstand it, I think it's much more the director's fault. Yeah. Like, I think that is David Fincher making a mistake as a yeah. filmmaker. Whereas, if you misunderstand this movie or Predator, which I think are <laughs> very clear in what they're saying, that's your fault. <laughs> like, it's, you're just not reading the movie very well. Um, well so people it, are still going to read it that way, and it's problematic in that respect. No, I, I don't think that's the movie's fault, though. Like, I think that that's... People are problematic. Well, it's yeah. like, the, it's yeah. like the, what's the Gomer Pyle... Kind of the issue, what? right? Full Metal Jacket? Go, no, no, no. Um, yeah. No, that was a reference who's, to whatever the original was. Uh, yeah, who's, it's a TV thing from Logan like, the Heroes? 50s. No, it's, there's some guy who was like comically racist and it was meant uh, to show. Oh, like, on the family. Yeah. Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker. Yeah. Not Gomer Pyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. but I mean, Archie Bunker was like constantly ridiculed on the show for yes. his racism. But people still thought it was funny and didn't like acknowledge his yeah, racism. Yeah, that's true. But again, I don't think that's all in the family's fault. Like, because they put it in the text, he is wrong, right? And he was proven wrong at the end of every episode. Right. <laughs> every right. It's still like a mirror, though, right? It's yeah. like you just you see what you want. Right. And, right. And, yeah. And I think that where we point the blame is important. This is why media literacy is so important. Right. Yeah. Like we need to be teaching people that there's a difference between depiction and endorsement. Well, in yeah, like a historical true. depiction yeah. too. It's yes. like if we if we don't. If we just think about this as, like, what happened in this movie, like, yeah, the Native Americans in this movie did some pretty fucked up things. I'm mm-hmm. sure they did fucked up things in real life. Right. That doesn't acknowledge, you know, the long history of eradication of, of Native people. Yeah, well, this, this, yeah. I think this movie does And it. after. <laughs> right. This movie does it more, though. Like, th- this, people, yeah. this movie shows why the Natives were driven to that. Like, it, it makes a point of making the white people look like invaders. Yeah. Right. More so than you would see in something like Stagecoach or whatever. Like I, I think that that this one shows more of more of that. So a closer read and a more accurate, careful read. Yeah. It gets it to a much more nuanced message um, than even a close read of something like Stagecoach would. Right. Um, so to that point, uh, this movie 
opens and closes with two really famous shots, right, through the doorway. Um, Charles, have you seen those before? Like, was that familiar to you? When you um, saw it on I saw your blog post. Okay, right. About them. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's what I was going to raise. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, some of the points I, Read my I brought blog. up there. Read my blog about this <laughs> thing. Um, but... To, so, I mean, how did you read those shots? You, I mean, how did anybody read those shots? Um, well, I didn't really get to read them with fresh eyes since I had read your blog post about okay. them and what they could mean. <laughs> um, I'd probably just see them as really pretty shots because it they looks are. really nice. They are. And that's another shot that's quoted everywhere. It shows yeah. up in so, so many yeah, it's great. Um, movies in and out of the Western genre. Uh, you see it, it. It's in... It was in Jaws, too. Like, you saw, like, through the window that boat <laughs> was kind of going away. And, yeah. no, through the window... And then surrounding the window is a, a shark jaw. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you see, and, and they, so the boat kind of like leaves through a shark jaw. Yeah, you saw is, that. Yeah, in, it's great. <laughs> in this movie too, when he's sitting on the porch after he meets the family, and he's looking into the the house, and then into another door that's going into the bedroom. So you have like this double door. Yeah. Uh, with the chair in between. Um, so it, it shows up. In this movie too, it shows up in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Spielberg uses this shot a lot. Yeah, uh, Scorsese has um, used this shot, I think, in Taxi Driver and probably other things. Um, so it shows up a lot. But I, the reason I think it's important, and I am going to reiterate some of the points that I yes. raised in my writing, uh, is to me it demarcates the difference between the wild and the civilization. Right? I think that it's it's drawing that out in very clear ways because you see the shot through the doorway of this empty, open, desolate landscape trying to be boxed in, like the, that the white settlers are trying to box in with the frame of the door, mm-hmm. that John Ford is trying to box in with the frame of the movie, that the people within the West that are coming into the West are trying to box in with ropes and fences and train tracks and roads, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it evokes all of that in both of those shots. It's important that the movie is bookended with both of those. Uh, and so in that way, I think that this movie is more aware of the role of white invaders coming into the West as opposed to other films. I think that that is communicated visually from the get-go, from the first moment. Uh, but there's a lot of good shots in this movie. Like, it, yeah. It, most shots in this movie are great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what it took to film this. I'm sure it was a huge pain. I have no. It's for one, it's on location. Yeah, right? there's like, out in the desert. Yeah, there's a few shots that are clearly on a set somewhere. Yeah, but a lot of it wasn't. And in the winter, they they went up to Canada and like sure. shot in like outside of Ottawa, I think. Right, and, and which makes you wonder dang. in in the reality yeah. of the movie, how far did these guys travel? Right, like how much were they tracking? Because you don't get that kind of snow, in Texas. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, they could have been in Utah or. Yeah, know, but that's, a, that's a hike yeah. on a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a while. Yeah. So, years even. <clears throat> indeed. Five years. <laughs> yeah. There's this um, semi famous uh, art piece where someone played this movie uh, and slowed it down so that it would take the amount of time to play the movie that it took them to, to go on their journey. Oh, geez. Yeah, and it was so, like broadcast on like a billboard, right, or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, somewhere in Europe, I think, they did it. Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of one that was in the States. Actually. Oh, okay. So I think was, it was like... Maybe I misremember. It's probably the same artist, but he like he slowed down a film and projected on a billboard out west for okay. a year. Okay. And Yeah, this one, they did it for five years. Because that's all... They stretched this movie out for five years. Yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know how you actually do that from a technological standpoint, but it's a fascinating <laughs> project. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so one point that has been raised by several critics, and I think that on subsequent viewings, I've picked up on more and more, is that Martha, the woman who was killed at the beginning, the mother um, that mm-hmm. kills at the beginning of the movie, uh, has some kind of relationship with Ethan. Right, that's some sort of romantic relationship with Ethan. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah. So I don't it's, know. If, it's implied. Yeah. So I yeah. I remember picking up on it. A few times before reading about it and like, confirming my suspicions. I didn't notice it, but after I read it, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. It like seems plausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that it's another just great example of John Ford's filmmaking, right? Like, he, he doesn't, there's no lines about it. Like, it's never stated in the movie. But you see it through glances, you see it through Mason's scene, you see it through how they're oriented. 
within. I definitely had a other. bit of that impression. You did. When I was watching it now that you remind me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, it was such a small part of the movie at the beginning <clears throat> that I almost like forgot right, about but a it, lot of it. But yeah, now so you remind critical. me, I, I definitely had a bit of a feeling that something was up there. Right, and and then so the next step after that is that Debbie might be his daughter, so he's not just looking for <laughs> his, his niece. His niece. He's looking yeah. for his actual offspring, and so his hatred. Maybe not, uh, just certainly not justifiable, and, but maybe more coherent, like that he is that more dri- personal. Yeah, more personal that he's that driven. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if it's his own flesh and blood, and that John Ford can draw that out in with no lines, with no dialogue, like he can get there. It's and his, fascinating. his protests against his nephew, like joining him, makes <clears throat> even more sense, right? Because right. it's an adopted nephew, right? And the nephew sees himself as being a part of the family. And, right. But you know, if, then he's even more attenuated. Right. If, yeah. If he's daughter. like even more genetically like distant, irrelevant. Yeah. 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 Well, like, on top of his racism, because yeah. Martin is that being a big one. <laughs> yeah, Martin is a, a part uh, native. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's so many. And then the other point that I didn't notice right away, but I, I read about is that when Debbie is fleeing and she hides by the tombstone. Mm-hmm. That it has Ethan's—it's a woman's tombstone. It has Ethan's last name on it, mm-hmm. and it, it's to like a good mother and wife, suggesting that it's his wife that was killed by earlier, killed by a Comanche raider, and who knows what else was done to her. Um, which so you, you see these little, this subtle backstory that is built, you know, just in terms of, just by framing, with no dialogue, yeah, um, and I, it just speaks to. John John Ford is something more than just a genre filmmaker, I think. Yeah, yeah. the The film in general is like very subtle. Yes. And which again is like impressive, kind of for this time period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's right. always impressive, but especially here and especially in this this form. Because most westerns, like leading up to this, are like more of the tombstone variety. Yep. <laughs> well, and they're yeah. made by John Ford. That's yeah. the thing. Like he was, it, it was the same guy with John Wayne. Yeah, yeah. These same yeah, yeah people were doing it, and yeah. that they had this up their sleeve the whole time. Is uh, astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this movie wasn't very popular when it was released. Really? Really. Yeah. That's surprising. I didn't look at any of the box office stuff. Yeah, um, it was um, John Ford. Which thought, is usually the first thing I look at. Yeah, John Ford thought he was making his masterpiece, mm-hmm. which it, eventually he, it turned out everyone else agreed with him. Um, he thought he was making his masterpiece. Uh, John Wayne evidently did as well, based on you know naming his kid after <laughs> the, his role in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and it just didn't land with audiences. It was, it was a very quiet showing in the theater, uh, no Oscar nominations. I figured John yeah. Wayne himself would just be enough to sell a movie at that time. Yeah, well, I mean, it made its money, right? Like it, yeah, it wasn't yeah. a, it wasn't a loss, but it did not get the critical reception or the popular reception that they anticipated. Uh-huh. Um, it was at a low point in John Ford's career. He had made a couple clunkers before this. He thought that this was going to bring him back, and he was devastated when Jeez. it didn't. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like he he thought that this was his Let's big see. movie. Uh, he must work after this though, because it's like studio. To yeah. Oh, he never credits, stops so. working. Yeah, like he. Seventy six is his last credit. Yeah, he has so many director, so many director credits on IMDb, like well over hundred, I'm sure. He definitely knows his genre. Oh yeah, <laughs> he yeah. does pretty much westerns throughout his career. Yeah. Well, there's that famous John Wayne quote where, or not John Wayne, but John Ford quote where he says, "I'm, I'm John Ford. I make westerns." Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what he. <laughs> That's what he does. And lo and behold, here we are. So it had a three point seven five million dollar budget okay um so let's see what in today's dollars i'm sure that is i mean it looks expensive right yeah when it, it looks was made. amazing yes yeah. i mean it's what 35 millimeter they're in technicolor yep and they're shooting out in the desert yeah it, yeah just the, the conditions alone and then on top of all these really big shots yeah um, was color still new at that time 56. 56. I mean, I think most films would have been in color at, at that point. Yeah, when I, I forget when um, Wizard of Oz. 39. 39. 30s, yeah. yeah, so 17 years, but it's still not like everything. Right. Uh-huh. There's obviously no color television, so. Yeah, like, yeah. if you want to see a color movie, you got you to gotta go to the theater. All right, so okay. 30, $34 million in today's okay. money, but it's hard to know because like budgets inflate it, yeah. you know, a lot. And yeah, it, it's not like, you know, they're. It doesn't have the set pieces of like good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Which is like 
um, another like film that recreates like the Civil War, essentially <laughs> in yeah. cast size. Yeah, that, I mean that's uh, another one. That one in Once Upon a Time of the West that draw heavily from this movie. Yeah. Um, have you seen The Good, The Bad, The Ugly? Nope. Or Once Upon a Time of the West? Nope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are the ones that most directly inspired Tarantino, I think, when he did mm-hmm. uh, Django and Inglorious Bastards and um, Hateful Eight. The Good, The Bad, The Ugly has like that classic like Western. Music, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I know the music from that one for <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's hard not to have heard it. But thanks for that. <laughs> By the same guy who did the thing soundtrack. Exactly. Yeah. Neo. Neo. Charles, did you like this movie? I, I mean, I was with you when you watched it, and mm. I didn't get a strong reaction either way, and I didn't want to <laughs> ask you because for saving it for saving for it. So when, when he episode. came out of uh, two thousand one, yeah, he was like shell shocked. Right, it's like the best movie ever. Right, so. yeah, that was not the reaction here. I would say that I did like it, and I was very drawn in by the story. Okay, um, so it was a very enjoyable experience. I don't know if I was blown away, like, it, like I didn't feel like I had seen a cinematic classic. I guess mm-hmm. it just it seemed like you know a compelling movie that was well made. That's that's what I saw. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it would uh, really convince me to want to see more westerns, just because I happen not to be that into that kind of setting. Um, but I don't know what would convince me really. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Firefly will once I get to watching that. You've someday. never seen Firefly? I've seen a few episodes. Oh, Firefly's but, great. Uh, I like that show. Or Cowboy yeah. Bebop too. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, I got to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, western maybe reference. if you take the western into space, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, then. You that's what it. That's what Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. There was got to be sci-fi. You can see the reference in Star Wars to the Searchers. So when they come back to the like the the burning house, oh yeah, yeah, it looks, oh yeah, it looks like uh, yeah. I forgot that definitely the aunt and uncle. I saw that connection yep. there. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Baru and uh, what's his uncle name? Owen. Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen. Uncle Owen. Yeah, but their house like was burnt essentially yeah. the same way. And I was yep. like, ah, oh, Star Wars. This is where we're going to talk about Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's another doorway shot in there too because you see. Uh, it's shot from the wreckage out looking up at John Wayne through a doorway when he finds the dress. Yeah. So, which has um, all sorts of implications in him, right? Yeah. Because like, it's, yeah. it's not just that she's missing, it's she might be dead, she might have been assaulted, yeah. she might have been sexually assaulted, right? So, like, you, there's just so, again, like John Wayne just giving us so much information mm-hmm. in a very crisp moment. That was, yeah. uh, Right after that, so they have the funeral like right after that, mm-hmm. and then they leave from the funeral to like go kill people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. All right, no, we don't need a uh, any stops here. Yeah, we're, we're going on. They're all they're all fired up, you know. They gotta get yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did we feel about the? Um, well, actually, before I get to that, so yeah. do you think that because you have a little bit of context in the Western genre now because you've seen a couple other big ones, yeah, more recent, but that like drew from this and are reacting to this. Do you think that? Your experience watching The Searchers now was improved because you had a little bit of context from the other Westerns that we've seen. Mm, I'm not sure if my experience watching it had changed that much compared to just, you know, watching it with just my perception of where Westerns are. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really think of how seeing Assassination of Jesse James or Tombstone has uh, changed my perception of this one. Um, I, I mean, I was still like pretty surprised to see the more overt references to the Civil War, even though they were referenced in the other movies. Yeah, uh, they seem to be less emphasized. That's I agree. Uh, and yeah. that part stood out enough for me to really make this viewing feel different from the other ones because it was so much emphasized in this one. Yeah, I, I think that that John Ford wanted to call attention to yeah. that particular. Well, I think it's like it's an epic threat. movie, but it's still like around these characters. So like when they visit the army base there's like they're they're just kind of like passerbys they're not they don't get sucked into like the larger battle or whatever it is that the army guys are doing in yeah. Texas um, probably hunting Native Americans um, yeah. or Mexicans um, yeah. yeah and they don't draw a distinction <laughs> no no they do not and um, whereas like that doesn't happen to good the bad and the ugly like the good the bad yeah. and the ugly has this like larger like political context of, right. of the civil war yeah, whereas this is a much more personal story yeah and this, yeah. Is, this is about like John Wayne and his nephew, and that's like it. Like yeah. anything around that is kind of like ancillary. ancillary. Yeah, see, I feel I like I haven't so. seen enough westerns to really yeah. see, um, you know, how often the Civil War is really treated heavily in these movies, or how it's portrayed and all that. It sounds like in the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, it's features yeah, it's, heavily into it's, it. Yeah, much more central. Um, but yeah. For me, this was like 
the first one where it was very overtly covered. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I noticed was that the it more fulfilled my perception of how the Western landscape should yes. look. Yeah. Uh, very... We're talking about the grandeur of it. We've been through all that already. But um, one thing that was really jarring for Assassination of Jesse James was how mundane the mm-hmm. landscapes looked. Um, and so here, you know, it really fulfilled that role of the environmental grandeur that I hope to see. Yeah. Yeah. But again, with a, a twist to it that other Westerns don't have. Because yeah. in Stagecoach, just because that's the example we keep returning to. Yeah. Like there, the, the landscape shots are about, look how cool this looks. And here it's, look how cool this looks and look how impressive it is. Yeah. Uh, and that, which I think is important. Um, speaking of the personal nature of this movie, uh, how did we feel about all the domestic scenes? A lot of them were played for laughs, not all of them are, but many of them are. Yeah, it really like, felt yeah. like it was meant to lighten the movie in an awkward way. I guess it would be so oppressive if they didn't. <laughs> I think yeah. that was a, lot, a part of it. I think that yeah. John Ford knew he had to play, had to play in Peoria, right? Like, he, he had yeah. to have something there for those audiences. But I think there was, I think he got it back to some of the themes of this movie again. Uh, within those moments. I mean, the girl who's kind of like pining for his nephew, she's kind of like a comic relief character and the yeah, stuff well, around her, that. Her fiance is, right? Like that guy's goofy. Even she is though, because yeah. she like, she kind of like bullies, bullies <laughs> yeah. the nephew and like pushes, like pushes him over in comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pushes he him over the chair over twice. The chair. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I think, yeah, I think it's just really meant to just like lighten the, the mood of the movie, which would otherwise be just like a very dour two hours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that is true. I agree yeah. with that. I think it is also there to draw contact, contrast between this relatively stable domestic life of, you know, the Lori and her family, along with the suitor or whatever the heck his name was. No idea. That, yeah, that yeah. guy. As opposed to Charlie, I think it was. Yes, yeah. As opposed to um, John Wayne, who is without home, right? Who is yeah? Like ever since the Civil War ended, where he literally loses his country, he wanders. Yeah, he even loses what family he did have. Right, was killed. um, It's also like it draws the line very clearly, right? Where like what he does is serious. Yeah, and then in the home is like a joke, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Because he, yeah. does, I mean, he has some lines that are darkly comic. Yeah, um, but none that are just like laugh lines. Uh, whereas here, it's just almost slapstick. Some some, of, the, some yeah. of these scenes I found very refreshing and entertaining, but I felt like the part where they get back after first finding the daughter, uh, <laughs> and they just have this prolonged fight. Oh, it looks so silly. Her. Right, it, it was really funny, but also it just felt too long it really dragged on and it seemed like it really distracted from the pacing of the movie for me it just kind of took me out of it for a little bit while they were just fighting in the dirt yeah for a while. that might get edited down in a modern film yeah. um I, I agree i think what they're again of what they're showing there is the absurdity of some of these masculine ideas like it, it's about toxic masculinity right like if you're mm-hmm. gonna fight over everyone this is how stupid you look when you do it <laughs> right like if everything comes to blows yeah and, and just, like, they're negotiating, like, where they're going to Well, Lori seemed to love it. Yeah, yeah, she did. And he's rewarded for it, right? Right, like, yeah. And of course, he's, your hand. Yeah, but they do look really dumb while they're doing oh, it. Oh, yeah, Right, totally. like, it, 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 and I think that Ford would know that that looks stupid. Like, he knows yeah. what, when a fight looks good. It, so I, I feel like that's not an accident, that it's this absurdist, you know, play. It was funny when they sent her like mom away too yeah and they're like hey this is men's stuff like, yes, oh, yes. Like, he and doesn't say that he says something else and, like, right but that's lady. exactly Basically. what the, the so wait, i think he says you're a lady I yeah think that's what it is <laughs> yeah that, that's and, and it. she's like no oh, you're right and she yeah. like leaves <laughs> oh, and yeah but then watches it from the window right and what <laughs> men do is dumb right like the, the men's stuff is just yeah absurd so i think that that's that's clever too i think it, it also like the the domesticity versus the wanderer thing comes back again in the closing shot where they where they reprise the the door frame shot and we have uh marty entering the home with laurie in hand past john wayne who stands there looks in from the outside holding himself you know close holding his arm yep and turning and walking away back into the wilderness mm-hmm. um and i think that that is the the uh, the main theme of this movie is obviously the racial themes and the themes of western conquest um, but the sub-theme that I think is still important is this, the domesticity versus the wanderer and how you would see that this wanderer trope show up in Westerns all the time. And this is the, the downside of it. This is what that life is actually like, which is 
lonely and isolating and yeah. unhappy. Um, and again, communicated visually in that last shot. But manly too, right? It's prototypical <laughs> right. male stuff. Right, it is pro prototypical male stuff, but it, it's he's being punished for it, right? And, and whereas the guy who is less manly, right. um, and I, I, you know, John Ford, I think, is still struggling with these ideas, right? Yeah. So the guy that, but still, the guy that is less traditionally manly is happier. He gets the girl at the end. Yeah. He gets a home that is stable and relatively safe, right? Like he gets all this stuff. Whereas the guy that is the paragon of masculine virtue is literally left out in the cold. Yeah. Although one thing that bothered me a bit was they did have that Yankee soldier who was just a boy and yeah. like he his father was in the military so that <laughs> yeah. was implied that that's the only reason that he was an officer <laughs> and all that and he was just completely incompetent the whole time. Yeah. Um so I didn't like seeing that uh as like a foil to John Wayne as like the very competent and manly Confederate soldier because it seemed okay. like they were making fun of the the northern soldiers it seemed like they were implying that all the like northern sympathizers were these kind of incompetent boyish people it just seemed like that contrast made that implication to me okay i mean that that, that hadn't occurred to me but that's that's interesting yeah i think that might be some merit there yeah totally i mean, <laughs> I mean these are like complicated you know racial narratives and it wouldn't be surprising if yeah they were like Kind of the bumbling Union soldier, like right. But I mean, it's they, also you know they won by accident. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. oh, you know, we're, us Confederates are so so strong and uh, manly and all that. How do we lose to this shit? But, yeah, I but, mean, I I wouldn't read this movie as sympathetic to the Confederacy. Like I think that there are right. there are Westerns that are much more overtly in that camp. Um, yeah, but that that scene, that character, yeah. seemed to me that it was leaning a little more toward pro-Confederate just for that part. Sure, least, that sure. Contrast. I, I hear that. I, and it's also just about kind of the uh, ineptness of Western expansion in general because it wasn't, it, yeah. just pointing out that it was not always just one step forward to the next step to the next step towards this ultimate goal that is Western civilization, that it was, they fucked up, right? Like that they mm -hmm. made mistakes, that there were setbacks, that people died because of it, um, that people were killed for dumb reasons. Um, and I think that the you know ineptness of the Union soldiers is also emphasizing that point. Um, but yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting read. That makes sense. Yeah, this yeah it was this yeah it was an interesting depiction of like Western life. I know that it's based on a novel and it's based no on true event. Yeah, and it, yeah, that <laughs> novel's based on true event, which yeah. took a lot longer yes. in the novel. It was like yes. eighteen years oh, wow. or something before they found the girl in that this yeah. is loosely based on. Yeah. Well, and they, they, the yeah. story in of that actual girl is far more tragic in that they they eventually found her. She had forgotten English essentially because she was taken when she yeah. was so young. Um, she was an adult age at this point. They remove her from the only home that she remembers, mm -hmm. and she's brought back to the white, you know, uh, co colonial culture and dies years later. She just mm. can't cut it and she ends up dead not that long after she was rescued. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, who knows what happens after this movie after they bring Debbie back. Um, well, she didn't forget English, apparently. She didn't forget English. She didn't forget yeah. how to do her makeup. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. There, yes, she was, she was very clean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, did... Okay, so the there's the fa the most famous shots are the ones at the beginning and the end. But the other really famous moment in this movie is when John Wayne this is at the end when John Wayne is running towards chasing Debbie while she goes into that cave. Yep, yeah. and it, and Barty is chasing after her and telling him to stop this. He thinks he's going to kill her, and he grabs her and picks her up, and then waits a beat and holds her in his arms. And the movie enters its conclusion. How did that play? Like, was it still dramatic? Did it still work as this moment of high tension? It seemed really intense to me. I, like, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure what he was going to do. I okay. thought he was just going to kill her. So. Did you? You, th you thought that he was going to execute her? Yeah, it her? seemed like what the whole movie was implying. So. Okay. 
Interesting. That'd be a hell of a movie. If did. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I wasn't sure movie. if he was actually going to do it. But, like, shoots her in the face, and then it's like the end. It's the play. Directed by John Ford. That would be insane. That would be absolutely insane. Yeah. No, but, like, I figured maybe Marty would have to, like, fight him to stop him or something like that. Okay. And not that it would just resolve itself so neatly and, like, romantically. Okay. I mean, that's, that's great that the movie persuaded you that well, then. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, I think, it was, it was definitely very intense. Yeah. It speaks to the, the power of. That the power this movie still has, um, that that can still that can still read. How did how did it work for you, Crossman? Yeah, I, I thought it worked great. I was, okay, yeah, I was into it. Yeah, I mean, it's another callback too because when he first yeah. he first meets her at the beginning of the movie when she's a child, he picks her up in the same way, mm-hmm. and he had the same shot from mm-hmm. his perspective. Um, Tarantino kind of references it too in Django. Um, they, they're not trying to kill the girl in the movie, but they <laughs> the. The way that they find her is very similar, where like it takes a long time to find. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they find her in a hole. Jingo's wife, and yeah. they don't acknowledge it at first. Mm-hmm. They have to play it like that's such a great moment. They don't, mm-hmm. they yeah. don't know what's going on, and the same thing happens in this movie where they have to just be like, "Okay, let's play it cool. We're gonna yep. go into the TP. Yep, talk to him. Yeah, like, yeah. Jamie Fox is so underrated in that movie. Like he, that yeah. is such a good performance. Yeah, it's <clears throat> man, like that is. Nobody talks about it. It might be the best performance in a Tarantino movie outright. Like, he is fantastic in, in Django Unchained. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good performances in a lot of Tarantino yes, movies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's that's like, just the one. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. The three three to four languages. and Yeah. 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 Oh, man. It's You're right. So there are, there's a lot of good performances in his movies. And Samuel Jackson in many of his movies is great. Especially Pulp Fiction. Especially Jackie Brown. Man, he's so good okay, at that's Jackie And Hateful Eight. His Hateful Eight character is. is incredible. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, I think it's okay. just one great performance after another. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, he works with good actors. So. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other moment that I liked a lot in this movie that happens right before the big climactic moment is the only sculpting we see, right? Not really. It's implied. Right, but the only one that's depicted. Yeah, uh, and they also don't show it. You know, no, they, there's no, you know, they knife. show like a braid. There's yeah, there's no knife entering yeah. flesh. Um, but it's John Ford, or it's John well, they, they show it. like yeah. quote unquote scalps. Yeah, in, yeah which but, are just braids, but in reality, it would be the skin of yes. your head. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is what that means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. But it's like it would be more horrific if they done. They probably wouldn't have made it past the censors and the. No, the I mean it would be hard to just put it. To do yeah. it on a production level. Yeah, but your point's important. That the only scalping that we actually see is the one committed by John Wayne. Right. Yeah, yeah. and I think that you see this with yeah. his character throughout the movie, where he is adopting the methods of his enemy. Right. He he learns their language. Right. Uh, he learns how to track them. He learns to scalp like they scalp. He learns their religion, such that he knows to shoot out the guy's eyes. Mm. Um, so he's wandering in the right. wind forever, which is also ironic because that is what John <laughs> ends, end up, ends up doing in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's, so it's it's fascinating that you see this man who is so filled with hate, but also so knowledgeable about what he hates. Right. That it it he, that he ends up adopting the both the worst of it and perverting what is good about it into something bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a fascinating, it, and a lot of that wasn't in the original script, but that was mm-hmm. that was John Ford that wrote it and directed John Wayne to do it. So, just another thing I really like about this movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was missing like a good NEO soundtrack, though. Okay. It, it would have, it, well, most movies it, it doesn't good. have the <laughs> yeah of course yeah it, it doesn't have the soundtrack that the good the bad and the ugly oh has, well, that's which is so iconic cream of the, cream of the crop right, there, right right but I mean yeah. that's an active composer that you could work yes. with at the time yes certainly I mean we'll see uh, let me see who actually did the music for this but I don't think I really remembered the music that's yeah the, it's the, very forgettable the sound yeah. no but the song that was with the that was composed for this like the with lyrics that opens and closes the movie that I remember. The runaway, that whole thing at the end. Oh. Uh, that I remember very clearly because it was written. I forgot that one. Yeah, it was written for this movie um, and is basically explaining the themes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, uh, it's a Max Steiner film. Who I recognize that name, but I couldn't tell I'm you not, anything about it. Yeah, I'm not terribly familiar with composers, so I will not be awful here. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, so. yeah, that's like the one like Western thing that it's missing yeah i think yeah that that's um, an annual soundtrack that is fair yeah oh he did the soundtrack to casablanca 
Oh, really? Oh, we missed and, that. And Gone with the Wind and The Departed. The, the really? Departed. Have you seen The Departed? Yes. Yeah, that that's, movie's great. It's quite a time That's difference. rangy. Yeah, that is rangy. He's, he's a worker. He must just like a lot of composers seem to like last. Like yeah. once you get in the composing business, you're you're set. You're set. Because <laughs> like just his, like your sound, and you keep doing your sound. Right? Yeah. Well, let's see. His credit. John Williams does. Yeah. His credits start in twenty eight. Jeez. And Departed's two thousand eight. Yep. That's wow. a that's a long time. That's a hell of a career. Yeah. Or is it no two thousand six? But he works to two thousand eight. That is that is a long time. Yeah. But is, he he has passed away. He's right. like, oh, so he must be being sampled because he has credits that are long after he died. Huh. So they must have sampled or reused. No, well, now I'm confused. <laughs> IMDb is misleading. <laughs> not helping out here? Yeah. When did, when did he die? 71. So his music oh, must have well, just been reused a lot. Oh, okay. Later. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, you're right, because it makes no sense that he would. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a hell of a career. Be like, years long. It's still insane, though, 28 yeah. to 71. Is, yeah, because he would be yeah, like, quite a career. And you're, 100 years old. You're keeping your estate pretty happy, too, if your music's being used after your death. Yeah, so. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Um, cool. So, Charles, you like this movie, but you're not ecstatic about it? That's basically... Yeah. Yeah, that's basically my reaction to it. I can appreciate what it's done. Um, I certainly enjoyed it, and I was engrossed in the stories and the character development and all that. Um, but it hasn't made me a Western convert or anything like that. <laughs> okay, that, yeah. that, that's fair. That's I mean, fair. to me, this movie's gotten better upon subsequent viewings. Like as I've watched it more, of it, as I've watched more westerns, I've enjoyed it more and gotten more out of it. I think that it's it is subtle, right? And that as you can draw out more of these little threads and themes in it, it becomes a a more compelling experience, a more complex experience. And how did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I loved it. It was great. Loved it. Great. It was it was the quick two hours. Yeah, I and, agree. Um, very enjoyable film. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. John Wayne's great in general. <laughs> period. I might go denim shopping this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Strong I, choice. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a jacket. Get your uh, Canadian tuxedo ready. Yeah. Yeah. No, I grew up in Maine, so I know not to do that. It but, is interesting yeah. how little style has changed since then. Because you still wear, you still got the jeans and the plaid shirt going. It's all days, cyclical, right? man. Yeah. It's also like classic stuff, right? He's like, yeah. you know, Marvel man yeah. look to him, yeah. Yeah, literally. I guess that might be why it still persists to this day, just because it's such an iconic type of look. Yeah, well, and it's so kind of western. Yeah, it's so wearable, right? It's a shirt and jeans. Well, yeah, right, right? it's pretty simple. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's also like very masculine, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, uh, so we uh, we let the crowd decide. So our audience yes. decided what our next film is. We let you guys vote. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, we, we did it in a very literal sense because all of our votes canceled each other out. <laughs> we yeah. found out before recording. <laughs> yeah, so I, we all voted for different movies. I voted for Labyrinth. <laughs> and I voted for Breakfast Club. And I voted for Top Gun. Right. And uh, Wilson's team won. That's right. Very decisively, actually. So we're, <laughs> we're going to watch the 1985 film the Breakfast Club next week. Yeah, I think this movie is actually important. Like, it's a good movie. It's funny. It holds up really well. But I think it's an important movie. Like, I think it's something that you need to. I think it's got one of the best movie songs as well. Yes. Well, so. the ones that the, it's so strongly associated with the movie. Yes. Like few other songs are. Yeah, it's yeah. even known as the Breakfast Club song. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So Breakfast Club, it is. Many of you probably won't need to rewatch this one, but if you do, <laughs> uh, next week. Don't forget do about it. us. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>